The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. anything quite like this a transformation with a team that has gone almost exclusively to their tight ends and they have just been working Ohio State today two tight end sets three tight end sets and Ohio State has not been able to handle it an 85 yard touchdown pass to the sophomore tight end hello everyone this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike this podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook Marv breaks down Iowa's loss at Ohio State, and he previews the upcoming home game against the Northwestern Wildcats. We also have our weekly Big Ten Conference update. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbinad and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out both of our Reporters Notebook shows this week with Susan Dank and Scott Docterman. The Iowa-Ohio State game highlights are courtesy of AB with announcers Bob Weishusen and Rod Gilmore. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's loss to Ohio State. He previews the Northwestern game. He talks about the targeting rule, and he talks about the importance of making in-game and halftime adjustments. Marv, your overall thoughts on the loss? It appears the Hawkeyes gained some confidence. They showed a lot of poise in a very hostile environment, and for the most part, they played a tough and physical game. Yeah, you know, it's, it's always impressive. Anytime you go on the road, you take a top-five team in their house, and, uh, you know, you play them, you actually match them early, and you actually have the lead here in the fourth quarter. So a lot of positives to be taken from that, but yet still, you know, at the end of the game, you look up and it's a winner loss. So uh, and you got to find a way to win those games. So uh, exciting from a Hawk fan standpoint. I thought uh, we saw a lot of great things, but also we saw a lot of things we got to clean up. It's a classic game of a tale of two halves where Iowa did a lot of dominating in the first half, but boy, Ohio State roared back in the second and pretty much took complete control of that game. Yeah, and you know, we just couldn't get them off the field on third down. It seemed like they were able to convert a lot of those, even third and long, and you know, their athleticism with Braxton Miller and the running back were just too much for us, and you know, unfortunately, they made more plays than we did down the stretch, and sign of a, that's a sign of a championship team, to be honest with you. Yeah, to your point, they converted on eight of ten third downs in the second half, and in that uh, fourth quarter alone, five of uh, seven, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, Braxton Miller, that equals extends plays, doesn't it? Yes, and just, I mean, it was like he was playing Nintendo back there to some extent, or Xbox. I mean, just he was really able to efficiently make move the ball through the air, and then as well as just keep plays alive with his feet, extend plays, and, uh, you know, and extend drives. I mean, it was pretty impressive to watch him do it. Looking at Iowa's offense, it was kind of a real plus there to see the way they, I won't say rediscovered the tight ends, but some pretty 
innovative formations, things you can do when you have a lot of quality depth at tight end in terms of both speed and size, which Iowa does. But you saw not only double tight end sets, but multiple formations with three tight end sets. Sometimes they were spread. That was some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it, it, you know, it is an evolution of what we're doing offensively, running the football with multiple sets and formations and, and big personnel with tight ends. And, and obviously that's the next thing. And then, and then we've got some athletic guys at that position, so it's fun to watch. You know, Fedor, which obviously is a touchdown, but then, you know, Doozy with his speed and, and the ability to get get behind the defense and, and really extend it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause defenses a second look and, and uh, make them change the way that they, they, they attack it. Talk about that a little bit more, about the kind of significant defensive matchups that kind of a look causes. Yeah, I mean, the, the issue is if you go big, if you want to come big and match our bigs with your bigs and bring in extra linebackers, now you got our athletic tight ends running routes against linebackers, and that's a victory for us. And if you want to stay small and keep defensive backs or nickel or dime in there, now we got a tight end athletic guy blocking against a you know a small guy, and we have an advantage from that standpoint running the ball. So you know it, it causes the defense to really have to make a decision: Are you going to defend the run or the pass? And if you're picking one, then that gives Iowa the strength in the other. So it's uh, it's a great uh, thing to have. Hawkeyes tight ends in that game combined for 11 catches, 191 yards, two touchdowns. You just mentioned Jake Doozy, his 85-yard touchdown pass reception, the second longest to a tight end in Iowa history, and he outran the entire Ohio State secondary to, to complete that play. That was uh, pretty interesting to see. Right, you know, and it, it is exciting to see a guy with that much speed playing that position. I mean, he's a hybrid guy. You know, he could probably be a big receiver, and that's probably where we'll evolve him to. I mean, he'd be that guy you can spread out and run slants and, and you know, skinny posts with and everything and, and create massive mismatches out there. So, you know, look for more development and, and more evolution with regarding him and his uh, his offensive sets that Iowa can use because of his versatility. Sort of interesting in the post-game press conference with Ferentz and then Tuesday again on his regular weekly press conference. I think the media was kind of uh, getting to asking the question, well, where were these formations and plays earlier in the season? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, a lot of times you can't, you can't, you just can't throw everything. You know, I mean, it's there's two schools of thoughts. There's a development in, in the process of here's we're going to have, you know, evolve. We're going to master this, then move to this. And, you know, there's other coaches that will just say, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at you and, you know, expect you to pick it up as quick as possible. And, 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 and you know, for the most part, I think this has gone the way I was wanted it to. Our, our running game has been very, very effective, and now we're evolving into the play action off of it. Uh, you know, we're still just, you know, a couple plays away from being undefeated. So, I mean, that's how close this team is. And obviously, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's one part of the game that you could have said, you know, hey, some of those early games, we should have been working. We could have been working some of this other stuff and that we'll need it down the road against the Michigan States, the Wisconsin's, the Ohio State, you know, Minnesota's, the Northwestern, and those. So, but the team is, you know, having a lot of success doing what they've been doing, and, and um, you know, ultimately that's kind of the bottom line. It'll certainly give opposing defenses something additional and significant they're going to have to prepare for here in these last few games. I know you've talked nearly every week about how impressed you've been with Jake Rudock, his poise, leadership, and his communication Saturday at the line of scrimmage in that loud environment, another impressive performance. Yeah, just really, really pleased with the way he handled that and the whole team offensively. I mean, I don't think he could have scripted it up any better first three possessions. I mean, I think they, you know, they controlled the clock and kept Ohio State's offense off the field and, and did everything about perfectly. And so exciting as a Hawk fan to be able to, to see that. And, you know, I actually watched it on tape delay because I was actually at the Michigan game. Michigan was playing Indiana. And you, just to tell you how excited people are when they see 17-10 Iowa over, over Ohio State, they go nuts. 106,000 go nuts in a hurry. So, uh, you know, it was exciting to see that from a, from our standpoint. And then when I got home and watched the game on tape and, and, and looked at it, just really liked the way that the offense handled themselves, uh, you know, especially early on. And, and defensively, I thought we did a great job. We just couldn't get them off the field uh, as the game went on. Iowa's uh, first touchdown.
touchdown on an opening drive of the season. First time Ohio State gave up a touchdown on an opening possession by an opponent. And Iowa was 7 for 9 in third down conversions in the first half. Overall, Iowa looked in this game like it did a lot better job in terms of achieving offensive balance. Again, that you always talk about what the opponent's going to give you and then trying to run that. But they did have a little more success passing. Were you surprised, I know I was, that they weren't able to exploit depleted or stressed Ohio State secondary in the second half more than they did, especially after the ejection of Bradley Roby? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, I, I talked to some people and they thought we got away from some of the stuff that we were having success with, you know, early on in the game. But that's, you know, that's part of what the defense is starting to take away. You know, a lot of, a lot of kind of what sometimes Iowa might be doing is a, is a run-pass check and you're passing it because they got more guys in the box. And then you come out in the second half, they're saying, well, we're taking that away. You're going to force you to run the ball. Uh, and so you're going with run checks or something. So, you know, a lot of times it can be just a, a, the way the game progresses and what the defense is presenting you. But, you know, the, I, I think the ultimate thing was just the, 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 the inability, you know, to get Braxton Miller uncomfortable. And, and he, you know, I thought he was very efficient with the ball, passing it, and then his ability to extend plays offensively, you know, keeping plays alive with scrambling and, and stuff. And then, you know, they converted a lot of third and, and medium and third and longs that I thought was uncharacteristic of Iowa's defense. Before we talk some more about Iowa's defensive play in that game, let's take a minute and, and talk about the targeting rule. I'm curious as to your impression of the rule as a whole. We really haven't talked about that yet this year and, and specifically how it was enforced on Saturday, but also how you try to deal with this same issue at the high school level now. Well, you know, we're, we're trying to get the, the head out of the tackle, you know, and, and, and that's the one thing that I think a lot of these programs are doing through the NFL and, and through these youth programs is, is to really teach a different way of tackling and, and striking with the front part of the, the shoulder pad and getting the head up and out of the, the equation. And the bizarre part is, is if you watch a fullback lead or watch a running back run, he's the first thing he does when he gets in traffic is sticks his head down, you know, and he's basically leading with his head on a defensive guy. So it's it's a unique thing that the, the league and, and the college football and high school football and the youth sports really need to take a look at. And what we're trying to do at the ground-based level is, is just really emphasize tackling and getting the head out of the tackle. And, you know, and I think that's the focus and that's going to continue to be the focus. And if you if you lead with the crown of your head and you're anywhere near the, the, the head area of the, the defender or the, the, the offensive guy, they're going to call it. They're going to call it targeting and, you know, especially if you're launching your body and, and uh, you know, really kind of getting like a torpedo, uh, you know, they're going to call that and they're going to, you know, automatic penalty and then you're going to look at the, uh, the possible suspension. I know Urban Myers expressed some skepticism about that call and you can't get into the heads of the officials, but I think people may be forgetting that the play immediately prior to the one where he was flagged and ejected, he did the exact same thing to Bullock along the sidelines. He led with his head and, and put Bullock out of a couple of plays. So you wonder if they were kind of getting him for an accumulation of those two plays and not just the second. It very well could be the, the case. It, as you know, a lot of times you'll give a kid the benefit of the doubt, but if you see it repeatedly, then you obviously know there's an issue there and it's something that needs to be addressed. Back to Iowa's defense, they played really well again inside the red zone, but again, the, the long TD pass issue reared its ugly head again and Tanner Miller got completely sucked in on a play fake and then he doesn't have anywhere near the speed to catch up with what happened on that long touchdown. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the one thing that if, if Ohio State has an advantage over where we're at is just they have, you know, probably more athletic skilled guys than we do and and that's you know that's kind of what you know then good offenses and urban meyer is brilliant at this stuff and that's what he's always was able to do at florida was the idea of the spread offense is just to find mismatch and, and to 
try to put your athlete in a position to have success and, and you're going to keep continue to look for those things and try to get you know with motions or formations try to get your best guy on, on a weaker player and you know if a guy runs a four three eight or four four two and you get him matched up with the guy that's running a four six you know that's a huge advantage for the uh, for the offense Iowa did hold the Buckeyes 12 points below their season scoring average they finally surrendered their first rushing touchdown of the season seven games in going into the contest the Iowa staff talked a lot about well you're never going to be able to stop Ohio State's offense it's just too good you got you can only hope that you'll be able to slow it down Iowa did that in the first half in the second half and you've already talked about it they just couldn't do it they got burned time and again Ohio State utilizing its speed on the edges and in space but it also looked to me like Iowa was playing pretty soft zone in that second half yeah you know and that's that's part of when you when you if you have offensive weapons and, and, and guys that are very very shifty and very quick the one thing you don't want to do is just give up a quick score you want to make them earn it you know and, and you know get you four five six yards you'll give up you'll be willing to give up that what you don't want to do is give up the conversion the fade the coat the post you know something that's going to be quick strike offense you know quick touchdown you know I would and, and to Ohio State's credit they stayed patient they stayed you know they stayed disciplined they stayed with it and you know they were getting five and four and, and eight and, and just kept being methodical about it and, and then ultimately you know it came down to just you know the, the back made a phenomenal run for a touchdown and then like I said I think Braxton Miller showed a lot of people why he, he was and tentatively is a Heisman candidate just from his athleticism. Iowa's defense hadn't given up 100 yards rusher all season long and then in this game both Braxton Miller and Carlos Hyde got over 100 yards. Any team in the country would want those two guys. Yes, yes. If they had a, a collegiate draft, uh, you would see coaches lining up to get those two guys on the roster, that's for sure. Iowa's a freshman cornerback, true freshman, Desmond King, played very well. He's played better and better as the season has gone along since he kind of got thrown out there after the injury to Lomax. He was named Iowa's first ever Big Ten Freshman Player of the Week. He had 12 tackles and 10 solos. Exciting. I mean, that's, you know, one thing we've talked about this numerous times. There's 70, 80 guys on the Iowa roster can play. And I guarantee you there's, you know, 30 of those guys are just waiting and biding their time and their opportunity to get a chance to play. And whether it's through injury or through someone not getting the job done, you know, they're going to get in and, and play football. And, and, and that's, that's, a, that's a testament to where Iowa's, you know, program is at right now. And that, you know, it does say that we've got depth. We've got some depth at some key positions. And, you know, we need to continue to see guys like that continue to develop. And, you know, selfishly, the big picture, the 30,000-foot view is, is that's why we got to get two more wins. It's just so they can become bowl eligible. And then they get an extra 15 to 20 days of preparation uh, with some of these younger guys that, you know, are going to be the future stars of Iowa. After the Big Ten update, Marv talks halftime and in-game adjustments and the upcoming Northwestern game. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy! <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard! 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet! Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. In our Big Ten update this week, the Ohio State Buckeyes extended the nation's longest winning streak to 19 with their win over Iowa in Columbus last Saturday. It's the second longest streak in program history. It's the eighth longest in the conference. In case you're wondering, Michigan holds the conference record of 29 consecutive wins set back in 1901-1903. The Buckeyes are one of only 10 teams left in the FBS who are undefeated this year, and Urban Meyer becomes the only head coach 
coach in college football history to win 20 straight games for the third time. Regardless of what you think of him, you have to give him credit for that mark. Three teams have winning records now in the Legends Division. Michigan State and Nebraska remain undefeated in conference play, while the Wolverines are 2-1. and one. This division race remains wide open with those three teams in the driver's seat, and while Iowa, Northwestern, and Minnesota are probably out of the race at this point, each of those teams can have a lot to say as to who goes to the Big Ten title game. The leaders' division race, on the other hand, is over for all practical purposes. Ohio State's in control, holds the tiebreaker with Wisconsin, and Penn State is not eligible to play once again in the championship game. Key games last weekend, apart from Iowa at Ohio State, saw record-setting performances in Ann Arbor, where Michigan outlasted Indiana 63-47. The combined 110 points, that's the third highest single-game total in Big Ten history. Scoring drives there were very short and sweet, lasting an average of only two minutes and six seconds, so no old-school Big Ten three yards in a cloud of dust. There were also outstanding individual performances in that contest. Wolverine starting quarterback Devin Gardner set a program record with 503 yards passing and 584 yards of total offense. Meanwhile, Michigan wide receiver Jeremy Gallon had 369 receiving yards, which shattered the old conference record set in 1999 by Purdue's Chris Daniels. The conference now has three bowl-eligible teams. Michigan and Michigan State, with their wins last weekend, join Ohio State in that regard. Key matchups this week include Penn State traveling to Columbus to face Ohio State, Nebraska plays its first Legends Division game at Minnesota, and Iowa hosts Northwestern in a must-win game for both squads. Wisconsin, Iowa's opponent next week, has a bye, as do four other Big Ten teams. In terms of individual stats and national rankings of interest to Hawkeye fans this week going into the Northwestern contest, Iowa is 19th in the FBS, 3rd in the Big Ten in scoring defense, 3rd and 12th respectively in total defense. The Hawkeyes are 16th in rushing defense, 5th in the Big Ten, and Northwestern leads the conference and is 3rd nationally in interceptions. Iowa is 4th in the Big Ten and 23rd in the FBS. Four conference teams continue to appear in the national polls. Ohio State remains in the BCS title game hunt and is ranked 4th in all four polls. Wisconsin, Michigan, and Nebraska are ranked between 21st and 25th in the AP USA Today and Harris interactive rankings, but Nebraska is not listed in the first BCS poll of the year. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. (music) 
Next, Marv Cook talks about the importance of making in-game and halftime adjustments, and he previews the Northwestern game. Before we talk about the Northwestern game, I want to talk a couple of minutes about halftime adjustments and the importance of making halftime adjustments, whether you're leading or trailing. And I think some fans and members of the media have been a little bit critical of Kirk and his staff over the last couple of years in too many games for seeming like they're not making appropriate or sufficient halftime adjustments. In this game, clearly Ohio State made them on both sides of the ball. As a coach going in there at halftime, whether in high school or college, you have very little time to do this. What's the process that you go through? Well, I mean, what we do is we really, we chart, you chart drives you know, and you see what they're doing and how they're adjusting to what you're doing. And that's a lot of it. And that's why a lot of people script plays. Uh, we don't necessarily do it. A lot of teams script it because they want to see how they handle this formation, this motion, uh, this overload, this, you know, this running play that we have. And then ultimately you look at those and you, you evaluate it in between series, actually. And so you, you see, okay, here's our adjustment to this. Here's their adjustment to this. And then ultimately you're going to come back to the thing that are going to put you in a position to be successful after you see that. And then they're going to make adjustments too. I mean, it's a chess match. And so you have to be, you know, changing, understanding that, that they're not going to line up and let you flank them continually. You may get it one time, but they're going to figure it out. And they're going to get it adjusted. And then now they're going to play over here. And so now you got to have something that looks like that, but then goes back to the weak side. And, and you, you got to play that game where you're constantly making the, the, the small adjustments of, okay, what are they going to do to this? How are they going to try to stop it? Well, if they try to stop it with this, then we're going to come back and hit them here. And so it, it's not necessarily a halftime thing a lot of times. It's literally between drive, between series. Uh, you know, that's why guys are up in the press boxes because they can see that stuff. They're taking pictures, getting it down to the sideline quickly, and, and guys can evaluate that and communicate that to the to the uh, sideline coaches and then get it to the players. So the side, the halftime is a lot of times for the big picture. You know, here's what we got. We got to be more physical. We got to, you know, we got to stop these two things. You know, we got to be better, in, you know, whatever. But ultimately, a lot of the, the small adjustments, you know, whether overload with motion and run strong or weak, those types of things need to be decided literally in between drives and have some of the times. You just mentioned Iowa needing two more wins to become bowl eligible. They're going to have to sustain the kind of play they showed at Ohio State for much of that game to get there. It doesn't get any easier this week against Northwestern and then Wisconsin and Michigan and Nebraska looming with Purdue stuck in there on the road. But none of those teams really have the same kind of defense that Iowa faced against Michigan State or the all-around speed and talent that Ohio State has. Yeah, I mean, Northwestern... Northwestern is a dangerous team because they, they had high expectations coming into the thing. Uh, you know, they, they've got some skill set. They've got some athlete, athletes. Uh, you know, they're obviously very smart kids, and, and, and they had high expectations. And unfortunately, it hasn't planned out the way they wanted. Now they've had a tough schedule to play in Ohio State, and I think uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, you know, and then the, just the loss against Minnesota. We had the quarterback and a running back was out, the two leading rushers against us last year, actually. You know, and that's a big part of their offense. So they're going to be a hungry team. They're going to want to right the ship and, and get back in this thing. And, and so concerning from that standpoint, Point, but ultimately, you know, Iowa's got to look and say, okay, we've, we've played a top five team. We played them close. We had the lead. We have talent. We're good. And go out and continue to play with that confidence and continue to play to your strength. But ultimately, we've got to look at the things that we've got to clean up and solve because, you know, Northwestern's got enough athletes. They're going to try to exploit us those same things that, that Ohio State had the same success with. And they've got the athletes that can do that, too. Northwestern's very patient. They're very smart. They're very disciplined. You know, they'll take that four or five yard play and just keep taking it over and over and march down the field and then make a play in the red 
zone. So I mean, we've got to you know make sure that we're we're staying disciplined, tackling the football, rallying, uh, you know, and then trying to create a turnover here or there, and, and and then obviously offensively, you know, control the ball, score every possession, control the field position, and do all the things we need to do offensively to continue to play to our strengths, and then continue to score points. You got to you got to score more than the other team, and you got to find a way to to make sure you're doing that. So whether it's 10 points or 35 points, the offense has got to find a way to score more than the other team. To your point, Northwestern's coming into Kinnick Saturday with a three-game losing streak. Pat Fitzgerald says they're making too many mistakes on offense and they're beating themselves, but he also said that in too many cases when they're making those offensive mistakes, they're trying to make too big of a play. I'm paraphrasing him there, but he he said they're trying to turn nickels into dollars. It's not going to get any easier for them this Saturday. They do have their starting quarterback, Kane Colder, back, and he's been an Iowa nemesis for a long time. He's a terrific dual-threat quarterback, but they're out missing their starting running back, Benrick Mark, who's also been a pain in Iowa's side, not only for his running and pass, but he's their, their kickoff and punt return specialist. So that, you know, maybe gives some Iowa fans a little bit more hope. The two of them combined have 3,584 career rushing yards, 60% of North, uh, Northwestern's current roster. Yeah, I mean, it's, trust me, the Northwestern's had our number, too. They, they were smart. They know what we're trying to accomplish with our running game. They know how we're trying to attack it. They're going to have, to me, they've always had some success putting a guy over the center, a nose guard, and playing leverage, playing slant, uh, and being physical, trying to wreak havoc, create penetration, force it to bounce to the edge. You know, and, and that's you know they're, that's what they're going to try to do. You know, Iowa's got to make sure that they've got a plan for that. I'm sure they do. And, uh, you know, up, up front, I think our guys are more physical. I think we are very good at what we do. And if you don't play a team like us consistently, it, it's very, very difficult to match up with. I think we're very similar to Wisconsin. I think we're going to have similar success against Northwestern that Wisconsin did. And, and they're going to have a hard time stopping us up, uh, with our running game. One of the things to focus on Saturday will be inside the red zone. Northwestern leads the Big Ten in red zone efficiency. They've scored 96.5% of the time, 17 touchdowns, and made 11 of 12 field goals. On the other hand, Iowa's defense has been pretty stingy inside the red zone, and they're fourth in the Big Ten in red zone defense. Yeah, and, and, and now now's when you start getting a true picture of what statistics are, because we've played enough good teams with uh, you know weaker teams to really kind of let the statistics play themselves out. We're close. Kind of three losses. They're all three relatively close games. You know, that's the beauty of where we're at. I think we're, you know, I think we're a top 20, 25 team, and, and um, the biggest thing right now is we're in the heart of our schedule as far as the Big Ten talent, and if you play poorly, you will look bad. I mean, that's just where we're at right now, and if you don't go out and play focus, play well, play discipline, Northwestern can make you look bad in a hurry, and, and they are extremely hungry. I guarantee you that they are wanting this game and, and will be focused and wanting to right the ship and, and are going to give us their best effort, so it's going to be a great Big Ten matchup. Yeah, Northwestern is uh, ninth in scoring defense, but they're pretty stingy in their pass defense. They, they rank number one in the Big Ten and 14th in the nation in getting turnovers. They have 13 interceptions and four fumble recoveries. Another interesting area to watch will be sacks. Northwestern uh, defensive end Tyler Scott leads the Big Ten in sacks. He's tied for second in tackles for loss, and Iowa's given up very few sacks all season long. Well, and to be, I mean, Iowa, Iowa's passing game right now is based off our running game, and that's when when you, you know, a lot of what we're seeing is, is run blitzes, and Jake's doing a great job of extending plays and keeping plays alive with his deal. So, but our protection has been pretty good. I think we've done a good job with, with when teams have blitzes, kept out of, for the most part, third and long situations, which doesn't 
allow defense to really pin their ears back and get after you as much as normal. But at the end of the day, I think our our strengths are, are going to be our biggest advantage and ally against the Northwestern team. And probably athletically is going to have some skill guys that can match up with us, but ultimately across the board with you know tackle to tight end, I think I think Iowa's got a huge advantage there, and it's going to play out on both sides of the ball. One little innovation that Northwestern's defensive coordinator has put in this year on third and short in particular, he's been pulling his two tackles, and he puts in two extra defensive ends, his two fastest defensive ends, to try to get uh, some speed rush from the outside. That's something you really don't see very often anywhere else uh, in, in terms of the teams Iowa faces. It is actually smart, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm surprised more teams don't get around to this, because if you think, and, and you look at Saturday, you know, we have four defensive linemen chasing Braxton Miller, and I, and I, I get it, those are our best four, right? But ultimately, the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth guy, when the f- first four are at seventy percent because they're so gassed from running around chasing guys, that that next guy's got to be somewhat better. You know what I'm saying? He's fresher, and, it, and, it, and it's a change of pace for the tackle. He's used to this certain rush or leverage play, and all of a sudden now he's got a completely different guy coming in there, and he's a little tired offensively because he's been going for 15, 16 snaps or whatever. And so, I, you know, I, I think it actually does make sense to do situational substitution in situations like that, and uh, you know, really try to create, you know, one doubt in the in the line of the other guys in the minds of the other guys, but ultimately, you know, trying to get a, a fresh guy in there to get after it and uh, and to wreak havoc. And so, I think that's a brilliant strategy. Your keys to the game, your prediction. I think both teams need it in a, in the worst way, and I, and I think Iowa really wants this game to, to to continue to create the momentum that they feel like they've built up with Ohio State and some great efforts. And, and so, it's going to be a home game at Kinnick, and it's going to play into Big Ten weather probably. This might not be the best, and so that's going to play into Iowa's strength. And that's you know we're going to line up and get after you, and we're going to run the ball downhill on you with our backs, and you know force you to stop us there. And, and I just I don't see that happening. I just see Iowa's too strong up front, both offensively and defensively, stopping the run and, and, and forcing you know Northwestern to be one-dimensional trying to throw the ball. And, and they can do that, but I just think you know we'll rally. I think our offense will control the ball for the most part. And, and so I mean I see Iowa you know winning this game relatively. It's going to be a good game, but I'm just I just think Iowa's too strong up front with our like I said our offensive line and our tight ends with our running game, and it's going to be too much for Northwestern to overcome. That is good news. That is good news. Hawkeyes Mike Football Shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. (laughs) 
Our thanks again to ABC for the game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll think about participating in our shows. You can do so by phoning and making your own voice heard. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.